Hi, I'm Joanna Chaundy and you're listening to Series 3 of the Baggy Jeans Podcast, where I chat to the female music artists who have made R&B so unforgettable. We take a nostalgic look back at the music, the fashion, the videos and the industry. So whether you're a newbie to this genre or just want to come and reminisce, tune in to Baggy Jeans, where I unpick the seams of R&B. My guest this week is a singer who has been hustling in the game for more than two decades. Her career took off when fellow Chicagoan Kanye West asked her to sing the hook on his 2004 single, All Falls Down. She had already worked with top producers such as R. Kelly, Jermaine Dupree and KG from Naughty by Nature. She has collaborated with many hip-hop artists including Twister, Cameron and Busta Rhymes and has dipped her toe into acting, fitness, reality TV and she's now not only an acclaimed artist but also a successful talk show host. Her name is Selena Johnson. How are you? You look amazing as always. I'm great, thank you. You're always reinventing yourself. I, I never know how Selena's going to look. Well, you know, you just, I never know how I'm going to look either, child. It's depending on this aging, okay? <laughs> so how we age is how we're going to adapt, okay, then? Tell us a bit about where you grew up and how you got into the music industry. Because I know you come from a very musical family. I grew up in a south suburb of Chicago. My dad is a blues R&B singer. So is my uncle Jimmy. And so I I grew up in a musical family. And so it was just inevitable for me to gravitate and just kind of matriculate into music, you know? So it, it, there's no fancy story. It's just <laughs> my dad was a musician. I, I was in a household with musicians and um, it just happened, you know? And then I, I gravitated, to, you know, in school as well. You know, it became my major in college. And then, you know, the record deal came when I was in college and I dropped out of school and I became Selena Johnson as we know her. How did you manage to get your your record deal? Like what 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 made them sign you? Was it a specific moment or? Well, I sent a tape in. Um, I was at this party in Chicago and I was standing outside and this guy had this, you know, it was an R. Kelly party and um, the, the guy had on a tag around his neck, like, you know, backstage, I guess, like a manager's pass or something. So I didn't know at the time. I just knew he knew somebody, you know, I thought he knew somebody. So um, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm a singer and blah, blah, blah. And I'm really, really good or whatever the case may be that new artists do, right? Or, or artists, starving artists do. And so um, from there, he gave me a number that I thought was going to be some exclusive number child, but it really was the number to Jive Records that I could have found in a telephone book. That's how <laughs> that's how non-exclusive the number was. But I felt like, you know, it coming from him, I thought it was an exclusive number because I didn't know any better. Um, but I sat on that, I sat on that number for a month, just simply thinking in my mind, oh, this ain't, you know, ain't nobody gonna listen to nobody off no tape. But then I had a conversation with my sister and she was like, girl, you better send that tape in. She was like, how would you know? And so I was like, okay. So I was in college at the time and I wrote a letter, a handwritten letter. Cause you know, back in the day, that's what we did. We didn't have internet like that. We did, but we didn't, you know, mm-hmm. um, 
internet was used for school, stuff like that, and technology and things of that nature wasn't used like it is today. And so I sent in, I dubbed, because <laughs> that's how old I am. I dubbed a tape of a tape and then sent that in with the letter in a yellow envelope and drew all over the envelope. Please listen to me, all kind of stuff, right? Yeah, but that's now, when you had to hustle, right? It, it was so much harder back then. It was very, very difficult. And it really was like, if God said so, then okay. Because three days later, they called me back. Off wow. of a dub of a tape of a tape. Um, and it was the guy who discovered R. Kelly. And he was out of the Jive Records office in Chicago. And um, he he's the one that discovered me from there. He sent my tape to R. Kelly as well. But he sent my tape to Jive Records. And so it was between either going with R. Kelly and his label or Jive Records. And I chose to go with Clive Calder at Jive Records. So Okay. Because yeah. Jive Records, I mean, R. Kelly must have been the biggest black artist on Jive Records because it was also a very pop-related label, wasn't it? With yes. NSYNC, yes. Backstreet Boys. Was Backstreet Boys on there? Britney? Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, Britney Spears. Yeah, they, they had all the biggest ones. So obviously that was, you know, their, their pop department was very, very, very popular. And so when you signed with Jive, um, I guess you went straight into the studio and this is how, I mean, we have to talk about R. Kelly because R. Kelly's a big part of your career. So did you already know R. Kelly when you started making this album or were you introduced to him and then he started working with you? I was introduced to him. I signed to the same label that he was on. We were label mates. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the guy who discovered me is the guy who discovered him. So obviously, you know, of course, it's like, oh, great. I'm going to bring my new artist you know, pretty much everybody brought their artists to, you know, R. Kelly inside of Jive Records because he's a writer. He's not just, you know, uh, um, I mean, he's a songwriter and he creates, you know, music like he's a there's actually no one like him. There's no one yeah. like him. Maybe, maybe I mean, to, and to separate the horrific crimes yeah. he has committed from the music, if people can do that, was an amazing artist, amazing songwriter. Um, yeah amazing producer whatever and One of a kind. yeah and put a lot of people on did he he wrote I am your woman with you right he he did write I am your woman but I was not one of his artists pushed out under him he was just like any other producer that writes for any other artist he wrote one song on that album mm. um if I was anybody's artist actually I'm, I'm my own artist because yeah. I was single act on my own self that wrote all of the rest of my records on my own. Yeah. But see, what the industry likes to do is whenever there's a man of some power, even somewhere near the vicinity of a female artist, then all of a sudden she's their artist. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. he, I was not R. Kelly's artist. We were label mates. However, in the beginning, I did have the, the chance to choose between being one of his artists, which would have meant signing to Rockland which was his, his label. label. Now yeah. that would have made me his artist. I think Sparkle was signed to Rockland. She was his artist. Changing Faces was signed to Rockland, I believe. Yeah. They were his artists. His artists I yeah. was not his artist. I was an artist that got one song on chapter one. Yeah. That got two songs on chapter two mm -hmm. and got two songs on chapter three. 
Yeah. That, that's what I was. He was one of the producers um, that I was blessed to be able to work with. I worked with several other amazing producers like Kanye West, like um, uh, High Tech. I worked with uh, Carvin and Ivan Barrios. They did a majority of Chapter Two. They were the uh, producers that did Music Soul Child. And Bob Powers did, if not uh, 85 to 75 percent of Chapter One. The amazing so, Bob Power, which amazing uh, Bob Powers, a you know, tribe called Quest fame as well. Absolutely, um, and and Erica Badu, and he not only produced it, but he mixed and mastered the album as well. You also worked with KG as well, didn't you? Naughty he, I, I worked with KG at Divine Mill on Chapter Three. So, uh, yes, so many amazing producers I've been blessed to work with. So. I guess because R. Kelly was so huge at the time, such a a massive artist that Mm -hmm. when I Am Your Woman came out and it had that R. Kelly vibe to it, that kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, the, the that R. Kelly sound. Um, I guess that's why people then would associate you with R. Kelly. Of of course it's, it's, it's normal to do, but it happens to all women. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can't say Ashanti without saying Irv Gotti. It's interesting, isn't it? Mm. Exactly. When the truth is, this girl wrote all her records. You see what yeah. I'm saying? She's a songwriter, a very, very good songwriter. Um, so, if, you know, that's just how our industry is. Uh, um, Alicia Keys, first thing you think of is Clive Davis. You know what I'm saying? Even though Alicia Keys is a prolific songwriter and musician and doesn't get the credit like she's supposed to in terms of male, female. They, you know, they make it seen as if, he broke her like he he sent the letter to Oprah Winfrey and then that was it. You know, no, there's so much work and creativity and artistry that was put in that is diminished, you know, because she's a woman. But that's just the nature of the music business and really the entertainment business as a whole. Yeah. And Cut Close, uh, I had a similar chat with uh, one of the members of Cut Close. He said they never got out from underneath the Keith Sweat thing. See, see, and that's not fair. You know what Mm. I'm saying? But I am totally and completely my own artist. The truth to to that is uh, I'm still here (laughs) without, you know, uh, look at him and look at me. So at at the end of the day, it wasn't him that made me. No, I made me. But he was a huge integral part of my um, beginning. He was an integral part of my beginning. So and and I would never, ever um, speak like. Oh, he didn't do nothing. No, absolutely. And not only that, he was my friend too. Robert was so my friend. How, was how did he you, was like a mentor. Yeah, yeah. And how, how did you find it when all of the R. Kelly stuff went down? Was it hard to detach him as a as an artist to him as the personal and all that awful situation? Um, because, you know, you can't help but love a lot of his music. It's part of our upbringing. It's part of our history. Well, I don't know why people feel like they're they should punish themselves for <laughs> something that he did. I mean, here's the thing. Just because that's what he was over there doing doesn't mean that we are responsible because we listened to the music. Nobody knew that that was going on. Do you know how many artists probably have dark secrets and dark lives that they're living in double lives? I was just as astonished and appalled as you all were. Now, of course you're in the studio with guys and, and, and male artists you see girls everywhere child you see all kind of girls they and all kind of girls 
you don't know how old they are, but you just, you know, they're not the ones I saw wasn't no young, young girls. In my opinion, they just look like girls that are around male guys. And I saw a lot of guys around them too. So I didn't pay it no mind, but I didn't know all the things that were going on. Of course not. Of course course you wouldn't sit silent. Obviously, I'm going to sit there through foolishness like that and think that that's good and just continue to go on. I, I, I would hope that as people know me and my personality now that they know full well that I clearly would have went nuts seeing some, seeing anything like that. But how many times have we been in relationships or have friends and your girlfriend says later, girl, did you know he was whooping my ass or girl, did you know? And you're like, what? I didn't, why didn't you tell me? And we could have helped, you know? So I think that people should not feel guilty about listening to the music. Now it does feel odd listening to some of those records. Now I, I'm sorry, they just do feel odd, you know, because they're associated with sex and and stuff. <laughs> so it feels odd, you know. Now that's fine, but if you had, if your graduation song was "I Believe I Can Fly," you should be able to listen to that song and reminisce ab- about the moment that you had during a graduation or making a baby or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Something, a family reunion or something like that. If it strikes a memory for you, I don't think that you should penalize yourself for allowing yourself to love music. You know, the industry is a beast and there are tons of coping mechanisms Mm. that are at their leisure at all times. You know, it's the devil's playground. So there are a lot of men in the industry that just haven't gotten caught. So when did you feel like I've really made it now? Like this is my time. Um, never. And really? I mean, <laughs> really? Yes. I, I don't have that moment. Um, the I've made it, you know, I feel like success is continuous. And I feel like um, once you do something really well in one area of your career, I feel like then you should strive to do something well in another area and then strive to do something well in another, you know what I'm saying? I feel like you Mm -hmm. should keep create, like, like you said in the beginning, I feel like you should keep creating yourself, you know? So I don't think there's a pinnacle because if there's a ceiling, then there's some, then the only place to go is down. And I'm not trying to hear going backwards in nothing. Like for instance, when I was nominated for a Grammy or something like that, even though it was Kanye West still being nominated for a Grammy is like, wow, this is a milestone. You know, I feel like there's milestones, but I don't feel like I'm ever going to be in a place where I could get where I could go. I've made it. So it's nothing else left I can do. I can just, you know. (laughs) You and Kanye helped each other out, really, because, I mean, he helped you get notice. And also you helped him get one of his first biggest hits. So with All Falls Down, amazing track. And what is the story about was that was originally meant for Lauren Hill wasn't it it was it was meant to sample Lauren Hill okay because um, you and Lauren have very similar voices we have some of the si- similar tonality at yeah time. well I have multiple tones I can I can manipulate where I feel like her tone is consistent and very recognizable mine is too and I think that's what like makes us kind of synonymous in that very, we, yeah. we're very soulful too. Um, but I would say that someone like a Jasmine Sullivan has that same growl, you know what I'm saying? That same raspiness. Yeah. I think it's the raspiness. Definitely. But, um, she was supposed to be, that record was supposed to be meant as a sample. 
mm-hmm. from her record, Mystery of Iniquity. And so the sample, not necessarily her singing it over, you know, in a studio, mm-hmm. but just being sampled. And um, the sample, it, it was, there was some kind of paperwork that the sample could not get cleared, you know, within a certain amount of time. And so it needed, you know, it was up against the deadline. And then that's when I was already working on um, Bullseye. I was working mm-hmm. on Bullseye um, at the time in, the, in, a, in a in an adjacent studio. And so um, he was working on All Falls Down over there. And so he had tr- he had t- he told me, you know, I've been trying a lot of different singers and we're up against the deadline. And Selena, can but you, did you and Kanye know each other from both being Chicago? Yeah. Yeah. Not real well, but you know how if you're from a from the same land, you know, you speak right. the same language. So he was like, Selena, can you help me out? And, you know, not really help me out. But he said, can you try it? You know, and it's like six o'clock, five, six o'clock in the morning. I'm like, OK, I mean, why not? I'll go over there and try it. Um, and plus, five in the I, morning. I ain't in a position to make any decision at five in the morning. <laughs> pretty much, just I'll go over there. But because I love Kanye too, and I'm a huge fan of him as a producer, anything that he um, is a part of, I no trust. brainer. Yeah. I trust. You know what I'm saying? I trust mm-hmm. that it's of of a certain quality. So it's not like I walked over there like, oh, whatever, you know. I was also eager and excited to be a part of something else that he was working on too. So, you know, let me make that very clear. But when I went over there, it was just singing the hook and, you know, trying to help him with the clearance and get, you know, I was trying very hard when he played the record, I was trying very hard to match it, you know, because I was thinking in my mind, what he's trying to do is get the same feel and vibe. I understood what he was trying to do. And then I flipped, switched it up a little for the sake of um, clearance, like writing. There's a specific type of way, like if it's the same. Yeah, so it doesn't sound exactly the same. Right. So that's why I flipped it, flipped it a so little. So how was it that. supposed to sound and how, and how did you change it? So uh, hers goes, um, first of all, he sped it up. So hers is very slow. I'm dealing you all, it all falls down. She's talking about the people in the courtroom. It's the mystery of iniquity. I'm telling you all like that. So I kept going over and over again, but higher because he sped it up. I'm telling you all, I'm telling you all like over and over again. It all falls down. I'm telling you all. I kept doing it like her to try to match exactly so that he could get the same vibe but then he was like switch it up and so that's where the, i'm telling you all, all those little things came from because i was trying to now when once he told me to do it different i had to try to figure out and then i put vocals and stacked in and stuff so it could sound the same but different you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and when it falls down who you gonna call now Were you amazed when he when he finished that track? How amazing it sounded! Let me tell you how I didn't hear the whole thing. And when I went, I left out the studio and went home and went to bed and woke up at ten o'clock in the morning. And they were like, oh, "Okay, so it's gonna be the first single, and we need you to shoot the video, <laughs> and it's coming out now." Even still, I did not realize how massive the magnitude. I, because I'm not very. I don't have a radio ear. 
So I like I didn't know that I'm Your Woman was a great song. I didn't know that Guess What were, was a great song. I didn't know these records were as great as they were, you know. I think I was just in the car with 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 Wayne, I believe, my my AR guy. And I'm in the car and on the radio it it comes on. That's the first time I hear it. And I'm like, oh wow, that's the song I did, you know. <laughs> Hell no, nah, that's the song I did. That's how it was. It wasn't like, okay, here's Selena, here's the song. This is how it sounds. This is a because I really just kind of I was also very busy trying to get chapter three done. So I really just kind of did it and went right back to chapter three mode. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. like, let me see how this gonna do. It was just like a a bonus for me. And then, you know, going on the road with him and, you know, being able to, you know, do all this stuff because of that record was just, just a huge blessing and just an amazing, is amazing, an amazing experience. And what's Kanye like to, to work with? Is he easy to work with or is he like tough? He's easy to me, yeah. you know, um, where, where, what might be easy to me? See, I grew up in a studio with my father cussing me right. out all the time. Okay. So, you know, easy to me is easy, might be hard for someone else. Um, I was raised in the industry by male figures, you know, mm-hmm. who don't really have the sensitivity of a woman, you know, or understanding of a woman. You know, there, there are very, 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 very minuscule amount of female producers and the only two that I know of are Linda Perry and um, Missy Elliott. I worked, I was able to talk to and work in the studio with Linda Perry, but never Missy Elliott. Those are the only two that I know of. Everybody else, you know, because we're in a male-dominated industry. So I have very thick skin. Plus, I grew up as an athlete, all male coaches, you know, right. being told what to do, doing it, no questions asked. So things that are hard for some people. I won't say they're not hard, but they're very normal and familiar to me. Mm-hmm. So it's just simply a challenge. Um, he he's not rude, he's not disrespectful. Um so perfectionist, I imagine. Yeah, if you're not rude or disrespect disrespectful, I'm also a perfectionist. So I understand, you know, wanting someone to sing things over. Bob Powers was probably the most, the hardest process of my life chapter one was how so um because bob powers is a mixer so imagine imagine the ears that i'm dealing with you know this guy can hear the slightest wrong note yeah yeah, yeah you know in those days um even though that's not very long ago um in those days we did not have the technology of auto-tune you know, at hand, like, thank that. God, you, you you know, we didn't have all that. You just had to sing the shit over, you know, it wasn't mm-hmm. no, I oh, don't worry about it. We're fixing it in post. You know, there wasn't that mentality and there may have been that there may have been the technology to do that, but I didn't come from, I came from a singer and a yeah, man, organic. Musician. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't understand that language and by power for certain would not let me off the hook on any records. I remember singing Hit On Me and singing it to the point where I literally went hoarse in the studio because of the amount of times he made me sing it over and over again. And I have very good ears too. Mm -hmm. So I knew a lot of the times I was in key and I was on the right pitch, but I knew it was a certain feel he was looking for. 
Mm-hmm. But I didn't ask questions. I just did what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And now who's been who's been your favorite producer to work with? Um, because you've worked with a hell of a lot. I know. Toxic Productions. Toxic is um Twister, that's Keisha Cole, that's you know, he's from Chicago. Um, so Toxic is probably my favorite. He's also one of my closest friends, but he's just the easiest. I call him my music husband because we have the same mindset about how we like to approach records. Um, and and normally because he's that way, he's able to get the best out of me, I think. Mm-hmm. Um emotionally in a record. I think that I would say um he he's probably my favorite of all time. But I I got I got to work with Jermaine Dupree and I really I really had a good time in the studio with him. And then of course, you know, R. Kelly was an experience. He was also very crazy, meaning, you know, very hard on me, making me sing things exactly and very, you know, perfectionist. Mm. But um, I got I got great records out of it. You know, he, right. he wasn't stupid at all. Um, and he wasn't he wasn't wrong. I was living in New York around the time you I think the I think you'd released chapter two when I was living in New York. So it was around early 2004 ish. You might have been working on chapter three. 2002 is November 26, 2002 is when chapter two was released. So chapter three came out in 2005. Yeah. So I remember being in New York. I was living in New York at the time and I interviewed Anthony Hamilton and it was in a studio. And after I interviewed him, you came in. So I don't know whether you were recording with him. I do remember you. And guess what? I dug I dug this out the other day. I found I found the photo I took of you and Anthony. And I I I remember that. I remember that. I remember that. Oh my God. Yes, I remember that. And as I'm in this interview, I'm looking like, I do remember talking to her. I remember her face and everything. It's so funny. And I saw that I was trying to look for this. When I knew I was going to speak to you again, I was like, I need to find that picture to show her. So I'm going to give you a copy of it when I see you. Oh, my God. Yes, please do. I I just took a picture with him when I was um, doing the Jennifer. I was at Jennifer Hudson's birthday party. And I'm like, we could show like a side by side. (laughs) This is how long we've known each other. That We were recording uh more you're more more than a diamond ring and I remember you someone being in the studio and I kept thinking to myself while I'm sitting here looking at you I'm like where do I know should I remember her and when you said that I'm like you sure were in the studio that's crazy isn't it that's so crazy crazy. oh my god wow I'm gonna make sure I get you a copy of this and bring it and I'll give it to you when you come over Yes, yes, that is. I can't wait to get to the UK. I have not been there in so long and I absolutely love it. I have so many friends over there. I can't wait to get there. It's going to be so fun. But the last Death Cafe is an excellent venue. It's the bomb. It is. It is. And you're doing two nights, right? Yes, it's too fun. And the seat, the, the, the sitting, the sitting seats are already sold out. Yeah. So I'm hoping that the whole thing sells out so we can really turn up. Oh my God. The last time you were there, you did a lot from your acoustic album, mm-hmm. which was beautiful album. And yeah. yeah, I mean, do you still do a lot of acoustic when you sing live? Well, not with this show. No. It, de- it depends on the type of show. Um, 
where, like the venue, you know, um, what I've done been doing recently, I have this one song called um, Water. And I brought out a, a, a violinist for that. Wow. Which is amazing. So when the when the when I'm able to expand my band and you know in different areas, I do stuff like that. I just remember people crying last time you sang. And it was like Oh, Stonewall. I probably did cut my hair. Cut my hair. Yeah. My male friend who was with me was crying to that. I was like Yeah, because see everybody's in a nightmare with some kind of girlfriend or boyfriend, child. It's just it's a universal <laughs> thing. So I cut my hair to cut on all the things you put me through. To cut on all the memories of you. To cut off all the ties I have to you. I cut my hair to show you. you I remember your version of Wild Horses by the Rolling Stones. Wild Horses, Which yes. was amazing. One of my favorite songs. And you know... I, I kind of steal my version from the Sundays. Um, the group yeah, yeah, I remember Sunday, you saying, yes. yeah, yeah. I absolutely love their version. Um, yeah, and I, I love that song. That song in itself make you want to cry because it's just mm-hmm. such a great Yeah, it's beautiful. So, yeah. Um, but tell me about your collaborations, though, because you've done a lot of hip-hop collab- collaborations as well. You're not just stuck in, like, the R&B pocket. You kind of have this voice that can... You travel around like I always think you could you could probably do rock and still sound awesome because you've got that I, gruff I, sound I sure enough could yeah if Tina Turner can so can I exactly um, exactly I, and the I, album well I'll go back to the hip-hop artist but again when I was and I only just realized this yesterday um I love the collab you did on Cameron's track with Kanye for Down and Out yeah, yeah Down and Out they trying to say he I hear And weirdly, I was at the video shoot for that because I was looking at the video to remind me of like how great the, the song was. And the video, and I was like, I was at that video shoot in New York, but you weren't in that video though. I, I was not there. They did not tell me about the video. Um, don't know why. I don't know if that's that's just Kanye's MO. You don't want people yeah. in the video. Or if that was Cameron's MO, or you know, if Conrad, Kanye set the tone, because I wasn't in I was in Kanye's video, but mm. I wasn't in there like people thought. I was in that all was Cameron's now. track. That wasn't Kanye's track, though. No, that was yeah. Kanye's Kanye produced it. And yeah. Kanye was yeah, the yeah. reason why I was on it, right? Okay. So he called me to do it. Um, and that, yeah, he's, I'm the reason why, uh, I mean, he's the reason why I was on that track. And so after all falls down, there were a bunch of different artists, um, that were reaching out about, you know, to get hooks. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, it was Cuban links was one of them. Um, I worked with DMX after that. Oh, um, I love that. What was that? Um, um coach Carter, coach Carter soundtrack. Um, the DMX I, one was untouchables. it? Yeah, untouchables. Yeah. Untouchables. Yeah. Um, and who else did I do? Oh, Twister, the day yeah. after. Um, so after that, I just kind of, I was kind of in that, in that process, you know, in, in the name of doing that because of All Falls Down. So, yeah, but you're, well, the thing about you is though, you, you can, you're not just like a singer that just does a hook. You put your stamp on the song. Like the song wouldn't be the song without you singing that hook. Do you know what I mean? I know that's right. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I try to do my best, you know. 
But it's well, true, though. Is... I mean, All Falls Down is, 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 you know, like I've seen you open your show with that track and it's so strong because of that chorus. So, you know, you have a unique sounding voice. And to go on from that, the album you did, which I, I believe your dad produced or at least produced mm -hmm. some of it, the covers you uh, did. The Rebirth of Soul. Yes. We did that entire album. Yes. See, when I listen to your voice on that, singing those songs, I feel like you fit so easily into that. Like, it's like you were meant to have sung those songs. Do you know what I mean? Ooh, I would rather, I would rather go blind, boy, than to see you walk away. So part of the way that I used to train my voice was listening to the radio. Mm -hmm. So I have this thing where I can imitate or mimic, if not the exact tone and runs, but also more than that, the emotion of the record. Mm -hmm. um, because I used to train myself to do that when I was small, when I was younger. Um, mm -hmm. So I, that's probably why. And then, you know, I grew up in a house with a blues artist. Right. Who played the guitar. So. What was was your dad tough on you singing wise? Yes, he was. He so another perfectionist. Pitch. Another perfectionist. Um, he has perfect pitch, so he can hear when anything was incorrect. Mm hmm. And what kind of stuff did you learn from him then to take on in your career? The biggest thing that I learned from him was performance wise. My father was a, I mean, a consummate. He was amazing performer, and so. You know, I used to early, early out, I used to feel a lot of my space in my show doing all this talking, you know, now, now I'm a talk show host. So most of the time yeah. if I talk, people, they listen because they're used to me talking, but as a new artist out here, just talking up the stage, you know, no, my dad told me that you can't, they didn't come to see you talk. They came to hear you sing. And mm. one time I had a show on New Year's Eve. And I, I thought, you know, this, this was like one of my first big shows. They paid me a whole bunch of money. And my dad came, it was in Milwaukee. And, you know, when I started to sing my song, you know, started to sing, they all ran to the stage and, you know, I'm singing and all that. And then I stopped down kind of and start talking a lot, you know, and then people start like moving away from the stage. But I thought I was setting up the songs, but it was, it was boring people because they didn't know the rest of the songs, you know? So mm -hmm. when they don't know the songs, you have to figure out a way to keep them engaged. But I was too young to understand this. So mm -hmm. the, the best thing, my one of the strongest things that my dad taught me was, you know, to shut up and stop talking on the stage. I've never forgotten that story. Um, you know, it's nothing like being an artist and people walk away from the stage because of you. One of the things that artists, I don't know if they do do this or not, but whenever you're going to talk, in a show, you have to have music as the padding because then they still feel like they're in the music. A lot of artists, they'll be talking and won't be no music playing or nothing to be dead silence and to just be them. That's crazy. Yeah, that's nuts. It makes you feel like, girl, or yeah. boy, like, come on, like, when the tunes coming, you know, we want to hear the tunes. So, yeah, my dad taught me, like, that talking shit, it has to be strategic throughout. And it makes it special, too. 
Like, I, I don't know how many times, like, even if you've watched like a Beyonce, this sucker will go through an hour and a half straight of dancing and performing. And you might hear this a couple of times. Y'all still with me? How many mm-hmm. such and such and such? Like that kind of small little. And then when she talks, it's like, ah, you know, because it's exactly it's the, now I'm person. She's personalizing her performance. I don't get to see her talk life either. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. then it makes sense. But if you just it's like, girl, we can see you on a talk show for that. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. I want to <laughs> touch. I want to touch on. Um, You've got so many amazing videos, Selena. It's hard to like narrow them down. So um, I want to touch on your perfectly worthless video which is pretty shocking you know and it kind of when it first when I first saw it, it was like whoa how she get away with doing that you know in a video okay. but well, it, so it, how did that concept come about I know you had the suicide prevention number after it and everything so how did that idea come well I have a movie that I produced and filmed called Uh, couples therapy and perfectly worthless was a scene in the movie where she found out he was cheating on her and got, got pregnant, got a girl, got his therapist pregnant, which was a woman that she trusted as a therapist as well. And she was sleeping with her husband and got pregnant by him. So that was devastating for her since she had just lost her baby. So she pulled out a gun and tried to kill. And then, um, put the gun to her head as if she was going to kill herself, but he was able to um, disarm her. And, you know, that's, that's the rest of the movie. Um, mm. But in the video, you, you don't see that. But in the video, we, yeah. we decided to cut it there because there are so many relationships like that, you know, where you're messing with people's emotions in their heart to the point where you never know what people be going through. You can't be doing people like that, you know? So, you know, we wanted to, we wanted to intensify the record. The record is beautiful and sounds pretty, but it's really very dark. And mm-hmm. so we wanted to to vis- we wanted to show visually the dark side. What do you miss most about cuz I you grew up with the 90s R&B era and how amazing it was. So which artists influenced you during that time, you know, and and what do you miss most about that era compared to the music industry today? Um R&B reigns supreme. Uh, Faith Evans, Mary J. Blige, that was it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, those two. Now, of course, you, and of course, Prince, Michael right. Jackson, even though they were more crossover type artists, but the R&B scene was very, 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 very um, thick. Mm-hmm. To Carl Thomas, to Jagged Edge, to to Drew Hill, to I mean, oh, there no. was so, a Teddy Riley and everybody, the you know, guy, <laughs> everybody in in Teddy Riley's life, Keith Sweat, you know, that whole era, uh, Luther Vandross, and then you had Luther Vandross, Anita Baker, um, uh, Angela Wimbush, you had Tina, and then Tina in rock, you know, so you had so much black music. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was that was in the forefront um that you just you you had so much color to your life because music is the soundtrack of our lives that was the sassy and outspoken selena johnson 
Join me, Joanna Chaundy, next time where I chat to an amazing underground artist who shares some of her reckless stories, only here on the Baggy Jeans Podcast. Hey, my name is Chocolate, and you are listening to the Baggy Jeans Podcast, who uh, I really think is just a brilliant, yummy little way to learn a little more about your favorite female artist. So tune in, check it out, and come and say hi on the e-socials. I'm at Chocolate. Thank you so much, Joanna. I appreciate you. And I'll see you guys soon.